Good morning, Crosspoint family. Wow. After those two songs, I'm not sure we need to do much else. Clint and praise team, thank you so much for the work that you do, leading us into worship, because that's what the choir, that's what the singers did. They even led the ark. They went before. So they're going before us this morning. Uh, we're going to begin just a moment in prayer, as we typically do here on Cross Point. But first of all, I want to show you this little book. It's called Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It's part of our Cross Point Summer Reading Program. So if you hadn't gotten one of these, there's books out here by the door as you exit. $10 a piece. It's a great, great, great investment. So be encouraged to pick these up. If we run out and you had not gotten one, Erin Adele will make sure you get one. So just let her know. This morning, we are going to start with prayer, praying for another church here in the community. Also, with our focus on praying for our national leaders, today actually is, I heard earlier in the week, a national day of prayer for our president. So that's perfect timing. So we'll be praying for our president this morning. We've uh, already heard from Aaron, the yellow wristbands. Okay. I started to wear a yellow shirt this morning. I thought, nope, it'll blend in this way, the black. It really it, it, it highlights the yellow, so you can see that. We're also going to be praying for a global mission point from the Southern Baptist International Mission Board. They've chosen the following prayer request for us to pray today. You see the picture up here? These are refugees in Uganda. So I want to begin by praying for them and as we pray for the other things as well. The Borderland team writes, we have been holding trauma healing classes and our latest class was led mostly by people who are being discipled by our team. One woman who attended the course said through tears, before I did not have anyone to listen to my story. Thank you for this opportunity to share. Pray for continued healing to be found and for the gospel to sink deeply into their hearts. Please also intercede for those who are being trained as teachers for the trauma healing course and pray that it will continue to multiply into many more gospel-saturated groups. So join me with prayer in prayer this morning. Father, we do come before you this morning and we thank you for your presence in this place. Not because of who we are, but because of the love that you have for us, that you choose to reveal yourself to us. Father, I pray this morning for Pastor Jason Rowland at Believers Baptist in Emory, Texas. Father, I pray that his study this week has been rich and that it has shown him something anew of your nature. I pray that that study would have, first of all, had an impact on his family as he shepherds his family first and then the flock at Believers second. Father, I do pray for the work of the refugees in Uganda. We pray for continued healing to be found and for the gospel to sink deeply into their hearts. Father, for their lives to be enriched by a relationship with you. Father, we also pray for our president, Donald Trump. And I pray, Father, that day by day, he sets aside time to begin his day with communication with you. I don't know if that happens, but I pray that it does. Father, you have turned the hearts of kings and princes in the past. You can turn the heart of a president so that the decisions he makes will honor and glorify you. 
They may not be politically correct. They may not be popular. But Father, if he walks in accordance with your design, he will glorify you in what he does and says. That's my prayer this morning. Father, I also pray for Ben and Christy and for their family as they left early this morning and they're, they're headed out on a, a two-week vacation. They're flying to Scotland and, and points east or west, whichever way they're going. But Father, I pray that this would be a, a sweet time of rest and recuperation for them and just an enjoyable time for their family. Father, I pray your protection over them. Father, I also pray for this morning that we will be led by the Holy Spirit as we worship in spirit and in truth. And I pray that we would encounter the very glory of God, His name, His character, His very being, His graciousness, and His mercy. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray these things. Amen. Uh, today we're going to be in John 17 again, and we'll be for the next uh, three weeks after this. And like we did last year, I want to read the entire chapter. There's a purpose in that, not just to fill time. But it's so that we can bathe, not only in the context, but literally bathe in that entire prayer that Jesus prayed. Let me encourage you also that as we're reading, begin to notice repeated words in this prayer. Those are always important. And if you're the kind of person that circles or underlines in your Bible. Let me challenge you this morning. Every time you see the word one, circle it. Because that's what we're going to be talking about today. The oneness that we have in God. Beginning in John 17, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they are, yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know the truth that I, that, ca that, that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me. For they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine. I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them 
because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself so that they may also be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. <clears throat> I and them, and <clears throat> excuse me, I and them, and you and me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Now I'm going to be focusing this morning on verses 20 through 23. I want to read those verses again and focus on those then we'll begin to unpack those four verses. I will have a few other verses to look at, but I really don't plan much to, to go out of the book of John, so it's going to be pretty concise this morning. Now read again our focal passage, beginning in verse 20. Here Jesus says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be all one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and loved them, even as you loved me. Now to give you a, a pictorial look of where we're headed today, I would ask you to look at this first picture up here. You recognize that? It's actually a, a, a picture of a very common tattoo. <laughs> that has nothing to do with the reality of this picture. How about the second picture? Does that look familiar at all? What about the third picture? It almost looks like a mess. We're going to get back to that in a minute. I'll tell you what they are later. In the first 19 verses, Jesus has been praying for himself and for the disciples sitting with him in the room. He has prayed for the glory of God to be poured into them. He now changes focus slightly in verse 20 to a different group of people. In verse 20 he says, I do not ask for these only. And he was talking about the disciples that were in the room with him. But, also for those who will believe in me through their word. 
Here Jesus expands the focus of his prayer to the future believers. Those who will hear the words of the apostles and believe based on what the apostles have seen and heard and given testimony to. He's literally praying for us today. For Cross Point Fellowship. For every believer after those original disciples. Three times in chapter 17, Jesus speaks of the word as your word coming from the Father. Now, however, in verse 20, Jesus speaks of their word. The word coming from the apostles. Because of what they saw, because of what they experienced, because of what they heard, they now give testimony to for believers who have never seen or heard Jesus personally. And for the future generations, this belief in Jesus Christ is based upon what has been seen and what has been heard. Today, we are truly blessed that we have not seen in person, we've not heard in person, yet we've heard the words of the disciples who witnessed what was said and heard, and because of that, we believe. Through their words, we believe in the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. So now that we know who Jesus was praying for in this part of the prayer, let's focus on the specifics of what he was praying for. In verse 21, actually in John 17, 21 and 22, that they may all be one. I want to emphasize that and read it one more time. That they may all be one. And then he explains that. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be one even as we are one. That oneness is one of the key, it's the key part of this passage of this prayer, this element of this prayer. That we would be one as the Father and the Son are one. Jesus also prays in John 17, 11, just a few verses before that. And he prays, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. So this, this concept, this truth, that the Father and Son are one, and that the Holy Spirit that Jesus mentioned in just the previous chapter, and He is going to be sent, and is part of that perfect triune Godhead. The three of them are one. And Jesus prays that we would be one, as they are one. In John 16, verses 13 through 15, Jesus again says, he's teaching his disciples, and he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. 
Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. There are over a thousand times in the Bible where the word Father mentioned as who God is, is used over a thousand times. There's over 900 times when the Son's name is mentioned. And 93 times in the New Testament where the Holy Spirit is mentioned by name. There are much fewer times when the three persons of God appear together in the same context or in this, even in the same verse. One of those contexts we see in creation where the Father speaks and light is there. The Son creates. And we see in, we see in Hebrews where nothing is created that's not created by the Son. So the creation is there because of the Son. And then the Spirit of, the Spirit of God moves across the deep. So all three persons are mentioned in creation. We also see all three persons mentioned in the baptism of Jesus. In Matthew 13, verses 16 and 17. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened up to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So obviously in that, in that scenario, Jesus was there because he was being baptized. So the Son was there. The heavens opened up and the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descended in the form of a dove on the Son. And then the Father spoke and said, This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. Now for those of you who have been here at Cross Point for a while, may have heard this word, may have seen it, but I won't have it up here on the screen. That's pronounced perichoresis, in case you didn't know. Maybe it's a good reminder. But this word is used, and it really is an ancient word to describe the interconnectedness and the inner workings of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It refers to a divine dance of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How their interconnectedness is so perfect and complete there's a time when it's a little blurry. You remember that third picture that I used earlier of just kind of a swirl and you could see three persons and lines going everywhere. That's a picture of this interconnectedness. I want you to see this next diagram. I want to try this. You see, first of all, whoop, I got it backwards. <laughs> it was shining on my shirt. I, the Father on one corner, completely separate, not interconnected with the other three, but He's there, very real. The Son in this corner, the Holy Spirit down here at the bottom. Their individuality is very clearly shown in this, but also in that the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. The Father is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Son. So the separate nature of the three persons of God is very real. And it's the part that we just can't wrap our brains around. Because then their interconnectedness, the Father is God. 
The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. That interconnectedness is so very real. And we just can't wrap our brains around that. Okay. Because we're finite individuals. But God reveals that that's who He is. And often I lean on, on a statement that John Calvin made a number of years ago to help me deal with mysteries like this. John Calvin said, How we feed on Christ is a mystery too lofty for either my mind to comprehend or my words to declare. I'd rather experience than understand it. So even though we may not fully understand this interconnectedness and individuality, we experience it, we believe it, and we rejoice in it. Jesus prayed that we would be one, just as the Father and the Son are one. He called us to be participants in that oneness. And he petitioned that to the Father. Father, draw them in. To be participants. He invited us to be a very part of that oneness that God enjoys. Jesus literally in this prayer reaches out to us as he's praying to the Father in our imperfections. And he draws us into that oneness. How he does that, I don't know. And it's not important that I understand it. It's simply important that I believe it. And it's not as if God needed us to complete anything. He didn't. God was perfect in that triune unity, in that perichoresis. He was perfect in eternity past. He is perfect in eternity now. And he also is, is perfect in eternity future. That he chooses to draw us into that perfect perichoretic relationship is because of his love for us. He chooses to reveal himself to us and to be glorified in our relationship with him. He reaches down and pulls us into that holy dance. John 17, 21 says that they may be all one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. They may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Here in verse 21, Jesus prays very specifically that we would be one just as the Father and Son are one. He is praying that we would have that same oneness as He and the Father. The same oneness. In verse 21, that petition of oneness comes in four parts. First of all, he says the Father is in the Son. Secondly, he says the Son is in the Father. Thirdly, he says that we may also be in them. And then fourth is the so that. You may have heard the phrase before, the henna clause. And that's, Ben uses that a lot. That's what this is. So that, this is a conclusion statement of why that oneness is being prayed for. So that the world may believe that you, the Father, have sent me the Son. 
in this oneness that is created by God, we are drawn into that oneness, and there is a reason, so that the world may believe that the Son was sent by the Father. Because you see, Jesus being on earth was not an accident. Jesus being on earth was not a story that was invented by mankind. No. Jesus was sent by God. Our oneness with God gives testimony to the very fact that God is. There can be no doubt in that. The way he reveals himself. And that the son was sent by the father to the earth to accomplish the mission specifically given by the father to the son. Now looking in verse 22 of John 17. Jesus goes on to say to the glory that you have given me I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. Now we see again in verse 22 that this oneness was prayed for by Jesus by the fact that he has given us the very same glory that the Father gave to the Son. If you recall in, in Ben's sermon last week, Jesus, and you see in the, in, in the passage, Jesus prays for the glory that he had before creation. He asked for that, that pre-creation glory to be restored to him. And then he gives us that very same glory. Have you reached the point where you can't understand that anymore? I have. We, again, we just have to revel in the truth of what that is. This purposeful, intentional drawing of God into that oneness was a deterministic action by a loving, powerful, and holy God. Not anything that we could conjure up ourselves. Now in verse 23 of John 17, Jesus goes on to pray. He says, I and them and you and me that they may become perfectly one. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them just as you loved me. Again in verse 23, we see a four, point, four points of the prayer. Jesus said, first of all, I and them... Talking about his believers. You and me, the Father and the Son, that they would be complete, completely one. But they, he's talking about the believers. We're called not only to be one with the Father, but with one another. And then the fourth point in that, so that, this is Hannah Clause number two, the world may know that you have sent me and loved them as you loved me. So, how do we experience this deeper oneness with the Father and the Son? We experience this oneness the same way the Son was in the Father and the Father was in the Son in a shared mission. We are to glory in what God tells us to do in and through our lives, and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Turn with me to John 15 to see yet another picture of this oneness. In this passage, Jesus paints a word picture of that oneness from an agricultural perspective, as Jesus often did. And he does so regarding a vine 
and its branches. Beginning in the first verse of John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that he may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Here Jesus gives us a wonderful illustration of oneness. Just as the vine produces the branches. The branches are connected to the vine in such a way that the life-giving sap comes from the vine into the branches. If the branch is not connected to the vine, what is it? dead. There's no life in it. It must be connected to the vine. And apart from the vine, the branch cannot do anything on its own. And because Jesus has given us this gift of glory and oneness, like the branch, we are grafted into the vine. We are one with Jesus and we have the ability to bear fruit, to be part of that mission accomplished. And that's the picture of the church today. That's who we are. Now the next passage in John 15 gives us another picture of that oneness with the Father and the Son. Beginning in verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. As a result of this gift of glory and oneness, we are to love one another. We are to walk together, share together, truly love one another as Christ has loved us. So that, the Hena Clause, so that the world will know that we are his disciples. There should be no doubt in the world's minds that we're different. There shouldn't be. If they can't tell a difference, mm. We probably have some things to work on. But because we are gifted with the glory of the Father and the Son, and we are gifted with this oneness, we must realize that this gifting has already taken place. The words have given are past tense. The Father has already done that for us. It's a past tense phrase indicating an already done deal. It's already happened. But for us, and we know that through Scripture, it shows that because we are a fallen people and we are clay-footed individuals, we're going to make mistakes, we have to continue to walk in Christ. We have to continue to follow the commandments 
that God has given us, living in obedience with one another, connected in oneness. It's, gift, it's a gift from the Father and the Son, and it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. We can't do it on our own. So with that gifting of oneness that we share in the Father and the Son, we can experience a deeper unity with one another in our daily lives. As we walk with one another in our community, the world will see the love that we have for one another. That's what we're called to be. The love and oneness testifies to the fact that the Son was sent by the Father and now the Son sends us out into the world to proclaim the gospel in that world around us. That is the shared mission that we're part of. In Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, it says, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Crosspoint family, that's who we are. That's who the church is, to live in oneness. Does it mean we always agree with each other? No. Does it mean that we're always... Perfectly connected and nothing wrong? No. But it means we move past that. It means that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can overlook wrongs and be connected as one, as a people. One very real way that we can share that glory and oneness with one another, we share on a weekly basis as we share the supper. In this action of following the command of Jesus and sharing the Lord's Supper, we give testimony to one another and to the world around us that we are truly one. If today you're here and you've trusted Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you're invited to participate in this supper. If, however, you're not, I would lovingly ask you to just let the elements pass. And if you have questions... Come find somebody, look to the person next to you and ask what this relationship with Jesus Christ is all about. We would be glad to share that with you. As we prepare for the supper, I'd ask for you to bow with me in prayer. Father, as we come before you this morning, I thank you for that truly wonderful, precious gift of oneness. Father, I pray that the truth of that oneness would sink deep into our spirit. To sink deep into our mind and our hearts. That we would work, strive, walk in obedience with you. And leaning toward one another in, in oneness. Father, in doing so. We give testimony to the fact that the Father sent you. And then we live in the truth that you sent us. And Father, as we prepare to, in oneness, share this supper, that we would be blessed in recognizing who you are, 
and taking this step in obedience. And it's in Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. Let's pass out the elements.